The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hey guys, Ralph Marlboro here. We need your support to keep Saints Happy Hour going this offseason. Please support the show by becoming a patron so we can continue to cover the Saints in the ridiculous fashion you've come to expect. If you support the show, you get access to the podcast ad-free. No ads ever. Plus, you get our world-famous booze bundle, four swag items, amazing. And you get access to our private Discord channel where you can talk Saints 24-7. So please support Saints Happy Hour so we can keep this amazing community growing. Support the show at SaintsHappyHour.com today. This is Sean Payton, head coach of the New Orleans Saints. What's with this Saints Happy Cast? This has to be the worst Saints podcast in the world. Ralph can't say anyone's name right. Andrew doesn't know football. Everyone has a hard time listening to Dave. And is Kevin even there tonight? The audio with this podcast, my God, the audio, it's its painful. All right, everybody, welcome to another edition of Saints Happy Hour Podcast. We have a very... Very special guest. The one, the only, Nick Underhill from NewOrleans.Football is joining us. Nick, before we start, I got a bone to pick with you. I love your site. I support you at the highest level. And your prototype article on the Saints and what they like to draft. I think it's helped my gambling because I love to gamble on who the Saints will pick in the first round. And that's good. But it's also bad because all these players where I watch their YouTube highlights and I fall in love with them. Now, all I think of is... I read Nick's prototype article, Asante Samuel. His he's got he's got T Rex arms. They're not going to pick him, and it like da- it damages my love for all these players that I like, and I don't know I don't know how to feel about it. Well, first of all, I like that you you focus group the joke in the green room before we yes, came right. on. So it, it it hit there. It's hitting here. Um, look, I mean, the thing is, that I would say about that is it's just kind of like a guideline. Like just because somebody doesn't meet a forty time. Like Zayvon Collins is two tenths of a second off. Uh, what I, you know, where we triangulate their 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 prototype at, it doesn't mean that they wouldn't pick him. Mike Thomas was a little bit slow uh, on his forty. They took him. You know, th- there's other things they look at. Von Bell missed some marks with, before he was drafted in in some of the the athletic measurements. So I wouldn't I wouldn't take it as gospel, but it is a starting point. But all they'll do is if somebody misses is they'll get a second letter grade on their magnet. They'll get an I next to their name. And that just means that they got to look at it. And if their hands are too small, well, how much does the hand matter at, at this position? Does the hand size play a difference? At, you know, obviously it's going to be more at, at wide receiver than it might somewhere else. So, so they'll, they'll measure how much it counts and then move on from there. But if a guy misses a couple things, it doesn't mean they aren't going to pick him. And if a guy hits everything, it doesn't mean that he's automatically on their board either. But it is it is a starting point to kind of siphon out and cast a net. And if you are making exceptions, you need to have a good reason for making that exception. Nick, is it also true that like certain proto, certain skill sets can mitigate others? In other words, like let's say you're considering a linebacker, but he's six foot and he, he's too small for your prototype, but he has 
absurd leaping ability where, you know, he can get his, he can get himself in the passing lanes with just his vertical. And maybe that mitigates his height to some degree. Is there a little bit of that too, where like maybe you're so off the charts in one area that it makes up for your deficiencies elsewhere? Yeah, I think so. Like a cornerback too, if you're a little bit short and you have super long arms like that, that's going to mitigate that too. So there's definitely ways that that can become over overcome. But again, like you'd mark the magnet and then, okay, why does this matter? Does it eliminate him or is there a reason to make this exception? And, and then you'd start looking at your further data to, to make that determination. So for sure. I mean, it, it's not, they don't take all prototypes, you know, again, it's just, it's a guideline, but they do like to try to stick within them. And that was kind of one of the main things Jeff Ireland did when, when he came here in, well, I guess 2015, 2016 would have been the first real draft. So that would have been the first draft where they had everything prototyped. They did it under Rick Reprish, but they got away from it and kind of got a little bit, you know, sloppy with it the last couple of years before he was dismissed. And it's just, it just allows them to be much more organized and have a very clear vision of, of everything they want to do. And I think that's been the main thing that, that Ireland's done. It's not that, you know, he's, he's not, he has one of the best drafts in, in league history, no doubt. But outside of that, he's been just a good, solid drafter. And that's what most teams are striving to be. Most teams aren't good, solid drafters. And it's just that organization and, and knowing exactly what they want to do is has allowed that to come to fruition and has really been the, the key behind the rebuild of this team. Well, you know, it was it's interesting to me in that the Saints, they don't really promote their whole analytics department. Mickey Loomis will always say, I, we, we called it the computer department in Seattle and we still use it. And they just sort of go about their business. Whereas teams like Philadelphia and other teams like promote the heck out of it. But then you see Philadelphia, they can't get the analytics people and the scout people on the same page. And they got three different draft board. The owners got one. The, the general managers got one. And it, how did Jeff Ireland... How did he get, you know, you talk about, well, they just put it in. How did he manage to get everybody on the same page so quickly to buy into it? Yeah, I mean, the thing with Mickey, Mickey hates that that everyone acts like analytics is new because he feels like he was doing it the hard way, like way back in the day and <laughs> chopping stuff up. With like MS-DOS. And, and now, now there's this like whole thing and it's just like, yeah, we've been doing this forever. This isn't new to us. But look, there's stuff this this team does that doesn't even really get talked about a whole lot. And you know, when people talk about the analytics and the, the different things that people do, like league-wide, they do these surveys and like people always put the Saints at the bottom. The Saints are doing stuff that like, I don't think a lot of people are doing. They have mental testing where they put these guys in, in computers and they watch screens and they got to memorize like where these dots move on the screen and their recall and everything like that. So they're trying to find ways to, to measure things that aren't showing up at the combine and, and kind of pushing the envelope a little bit. And I think they're a little bit more forward thinking than a lot of people uh, give them credit for. Like, Sean Payton isn't a, a dumb person. He isn't going to rest on his laurels. Like, if there's a new way to get an edge, Sean's going to find a way to try to to take advantage of that. And, you know, one of the things about him as a coach, the people in the analytics department like, is that when they put a packet of information on his desk, like, Sean's going to read it, and you'll hear him, like, recite the stuff they give him. And he takes it to the team meetings, and when he talks to us, you know, you can tell when he's very prepared and someone asks a question that, that hits on, his daily information because he'll be ready to recite it right away. So I don't think that there's like a, you know, th there's probably teams that are more cutting edge or push down a little bit more, but I think they're right up in there and probably don't get as much credit for that stuff as, is what's actually going on behind the scenes. But look, they aren't going to tell you what they're doing either. They want to keep <laughs> everything right. as secretive as, as possible. So when they play dumb, like they, that's it. They're just playing dumb. 
Nick, when I look at the roster, uh, you know, and as a Saints fan, I, I'm concerned just about the uh, the decrease in talent. And you know, obviously Drew retired, although you know, obviously they were eight and one without Drew uh, the last couple of years. So there, there's a question in my head of is that even obviously you miss something without him there, but you could could they continue to be as successful without him? Maybe, you know, they, they've been eight and one. Uh, there are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. But you lose Emmanuel Sanders. You lose Janoris Jenkins. I mean, the number of guys that you have to cut, Malcolm Brown, Trey Hendrickson leaves in free agency. So they've lost a lot of pieces. Fontenot's gone, although I wonder they weren't signing any free agents based on their cap situation anyway. So like in terms of acquiring veterans, I don't know that Fontenot is really going to be able to earn his keep this year anyway, and prove his worth. So I'm, I'm just curious, how competitive do you feel like how, how big of a step back put you that put you that way? Do you think the saints are right now compared to where they were a year ago? And do you view this draft is kind of a critical fork in the road for the next five years of the franchise. I guess the, you know, the, the piece of information I would need in there is like how much injury attrition are we expecting throughout the season? Like, is it a normal year? Is it, let's say standard. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I would say a little bit of, of a step back before, you know, we finish the, the player acquisition period here. Um, I mean, they have lost a lot. It, it, and to me, it's more the, the middle class guys, too, that that worry me a little bit more. Like, you know, losing Justin Hardy, like that that's going to matter at, at some point. Like Marquez Callaway is a good gunner, and I think he'll be able to step into that. But you're kind of losing the heart and soul of that group. And on defense, the heart and soul of that group, Craig Robertson, as weird as it sounds, like he he's a big-time leader for, for those guys. He's not on the team right now either. And it's losing guys like that that I think are going to make an impact even alongside the you know, the, the higher end players, Emmanuel Sanders and them, you know, I, I don't worry too much about Trey Hendrickson. I kind of think he might be a little bit of a Paul Kruger where he's going to have like a good season and then probably not going to hit that mark again. Like if he ever gets double digit sacks, I'll, I'll be surprised. Um, you know, and I, just is someone looking at the team. I, I don't think he's someone that I would have paid if I was controlling the finances, because if I'm paying a guy to be a top tier edge rusher or, you know, even top 30, I want that guy to draw enough attention to where it's going to help Sheldon Rankins get free and get sacks and 
Trey just didn't draw that kind of attention. And I think if you're paying somebody on the edge, you're paying him because he's going to help make everybody else a little bit better because of how teams have to scheme for him. And I don't think Trey Hendrickson's ever going to be that guy. But look, it, it is taking away a proven commodity when your other top two guys, Cam Jordan and Marcus Davenport, are coming off of seasons where, frankly, I think it's fair to be a little bit curious about what they're going to look like next year. I mean, Davenport's at the do or die point where he's got to step up. And did Cam just have a weird season sack-wise or is there you know something else going on that that's going to reveal itself. So I have concerns there. Um, at receiver, I'm a little less concerned, I think, than everybody else. I definitely think they they could stand to add somebody, but if they don't, I think they can find a way to get through it. But it, as it sits right now, cornerback and linebacker are kind of my two huge areas of concern. And if they don't address cornerback, that's the one position just on its own, regardless of everything else, where I think I start looking at my projected win total. And if they don't find somebody else, you know, how do I, how do I start dropping it? it? It has to go down because I just don't think that you can have that hole over there. If Patrick Robinson plays 17 games, maybe you're fine. But if he doesn't, and based on his, his career history, I don't think you can count on that. You could quickly end up in a very bad situation. The dark times, the corners were very dark. You know, Nick, Andrew mentioned about the, the, the critical part of this this draft is is it a turning point in the franchise? And the one thing that I remember one of my one of my favorite things that you ever did was when they were chasing Malcolm Butler, aka System Corner. But one of the reasons they didn't get him, a lot of reasons, was they loved that 2017 draft, and they didn't bend to Belichick's wants for the draft pick. And even when they traded up for Camara, they gave a future number a second round pick because they wanted to keep as many of those top 2017 picks as they could because they absolutely love that draft turned out 100% right they hit on all of them so my question to you is how do they feel about the top 100 120 players in this draft if it's as critical as as Andrew and me seem to think it might be for the future yeah, I, I totally skipped the second part of his question, too. Yeah, I, I do think it is a critical draft just in the sense that they have a ton of holes to fill. And, you know, if if you're shooting for 2017, you're going to be disappointed every single year. But I think they need to be a little bit better than they were last year. Like, there's still time for that class to, to turn itself around. But the immediate impact wasn't good. And look, there's a lot of reasons for that. So it's it's very hard to evaluate it right now. But even, you know, the, the draft before I don't think was great. And the Davenport draft was, you know, just... You know, it, it was what it was. So they could definitely use a really good draft this year. I think it is important because they have a ton of holes to fill. But there are a handful of positions just talking to people that that I do think that they like, you know, how some of their needs match up with how the draft looks. So it will be interesting to see if they kind of stand pat and try to pick a ton of guys or if they use some of those third round picks that they have. You know, there's two of them. Do you try to move up, you know, with those comp picks to to get somebody if there's a player there? It, it's going to be interesting to see how they approach it because, you know, the last few drafts, I kind of feel like they took a very aggressive approach to getting very specific players. And I don't know if you can afford to do that as much as here. Does there need to be more of a, a volume approach? Do you want to swing the bat more because you have so many areas, get cheaper talent in? You know, I don't know. But what, whatever approach they take, I think it has to be, you know, they, they got a hit on at least two or three of those, those picks in the first three rounds. 
Hi, this is Ralph Marlboro from the Saints Happy Hour podcast. It's that time of year again. All eyes are on pro basketball and the start of the Major League Baseball season. Bet Online has all the betting action. In the NBA, the conference races are heating up as teams prepare to make their run for the playoffs. And if baseball is your first love, Bet Online has you covered. If you love hockey, golf, MMA, and championship boxing, Bet Online has it all. Every sport, Every game, every matchup. Bet Online has you covered for all the odds and real time updates and is the place for all your sports betting needs. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to place and check in on all your favorite sports bets all the time. Head over to the website or use your mobile device and bring home the game with Bet Online. We are on the locker room app every Wednesday night at 9 o'clock, talking Saints, talking NFL, talking draft. It's amazing. You can interact with us, goof it to us. You can make fun of me, pronounce, mispronounce names. You can ask serious draft questions about Andrew. We're having a blast talking Saints live. All you have to do is go download the locker room app for free in the iOS app store. Create a profile, link to your Twitter, and then join the NFL group. Follow me at Saints Happy Hour to be notified when the room goes live. We'll be going live every Wednesday at around 9 o'clock to talk Saints, to talk draft, and basically to make fun of me mispronouncing names. So do it. Download the Locker Room app today and then join us live every Wednesday at 9 o'clock. All right. I, my, my favorite thing to do to you, Nick, every time you uh, come on here with us, and we always greatly appreciate it. Um, is to throw out a statement and have you react to it and have you tell, have you tell me how crazy I am. Um, so I actually think the statement that I'm going to make is that next year, like an underrated thing that I feel like not a lot of people are talking about is the draft class from this past year. And we know that the deck was kind of stacked against them. No OTAs. They didn't have a proper training camp, et cetera, et cetera. But you have three players that play critical positions. I mean, Adam Troutman is all but handed the starting job at tight end. Uh, Cesar Ruiz, whether he plays center or guard, he's almost definitely starting. And we don't know what's going to happen with Zach Bond, but the Saints are really thin at linebacker. And if he could emerge and be awesome, that would be crucial for the Saints to, to get some production out of him. So I view that draft class, and I feel like what people aren't talking about is the jump from year one to year two for those three players. And I'll, I'll throw, even though he wasn't a draft pick, I'll throw Callaway in there too. Cause receiver, you know, we just talked about how that's a little thin, but if those four players can ascend and kind of make that jump that we never really saw to Marcus Davenport, like if they can make that ascension in year two to becoming reliable, productive starters in the league, that could be a game changer for this team. And that's maybe more critical than anything they can do in this draft. Do you think that's fair? I don't know if it's more critical, but I, I do think it's a fair statement overall that that could be huge for them. Um, you know, the criticalness is just because I, there's still the whole corner and, and they aren't addressing that with those guys. And I, I yeah. put that as the number one thing. You know, the other guy in there too that I don't think a lot of people talk about him a whole lot is Chase Hansen, and he might actually be the guy if they don't get a linebacker that might have first crack at playing alongside Demario Davis. Uh, he's got a lot of range. He's a sideline to sideline guy. I think he played safety at, at one point, and they really, really liked him. I liked him a lot during camp too. He, he stood out consistently. Andrew Dow's another one that had a really good camp and then just didn't get used last year. So. 
they have a few options at linebacker if they miss on getting somebody in the draft that I, you know, I do think they'd be comfortable with them. And I, I don't think the door's completely closed on, a, you know, maybe bringing back Quan Alexander at some point much later down the road uh, if he gets healthy. So there are some options there. But, yeah, overall, like, I, I, I don't think it's fair to look at last year's draft class yet just because of all the things you said. And Ruiz wasn't supposed to play guard, and then he gets hurt. He misses 20 days of camp, and they kind of get forced into the situation Going into next year, it's going to be interesting because I, I know there, there's, you know, and it's not decided yet. There's two schools of thought that, A, yeah, he's he's a center and McCoy's speed at guard would be great for them. But they also invested a year of playing him at guard in a full offseason might help him settle in there. And, you know, McCoy's also a really good center, so they might not want to tinker with it. So we'll see how that goes. But, you know, I think he was forced into a really bad situation Bond, as you mentioned, he's playing a new position, doesn't get the full off season, so it wasn't really fair for him. And you know, Troutman, man, like there's a lot riding on a guy that had a hundred <laughs> yards last year. Like they're putting a lot on his plate. I do think that he can be exceptional. His blocking was was outstanding. It's going to get better, but there is a lot riding on these guys. And, and I do agree that you know if they all step up, suddenly you know the the weak areas on the roster they start to get glossed over with these guys that are already here. So it is important for them to make that leap this year. Nick, I was prepared to blast you about your Ch- Chase Hansen maybe being the, getting the first crack at linebacker. And then I did some research on him, and I stumbled upon a YouTube clip where it was set to DMX music. And I'm not a rap guy, <laughs> but DMX is my favorite rapper because he was with me when I had to do leg and shoulder rehab in 2006. And they set it to X is going to give it to you. I think he can go to the Pro Bowl now. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably fair. That's probably the right way to look at it. <laughs> uh, are we really talking ourselves into Andrew Dowell and, and Chase Hansen? Is that what's happening? Set it to DMX music, Andrew, and watch it, and you'll be you'll believe. <laughs> look, I, I'm not I'm not talking you into Andrew Dowell, but I think Andrew Dowell could be decent depth behind the other guys like he, he had a pretty good camp and I, I actually thought he had a chance of making the team last year for for a while he stood out a lot but Chase Handsome I mean look he was on the team he was just hurt like they liked him enough to protect him on, on on the roster last year and he did get you know some snaps and I do think that there's a legitimate I don't want to say excitement but there's like a legitimate belief that he could possibly become somebody that competes for a good amount of snaps this year so without the injury do you think he would have supplanted Anzalone on their depth chart last year I mean that's that's a good question I mean I think I think he was competing with him very well during training camp and then it was just injury after injury and and it kind of pushed him back a little bit but you know, I, this isn't like, you know, 2015 camp hype where we're talking ourselves into Bobby Richardson. Like he looked good. <laughs> he looked good against a very good cast of players out there and stood out consistently. And again, the other linebacker, yeah, it is Alex Anzalone. So like the bar is only so high, but that's a, you know, that's a viable NFL starter that I felt like he was pushing throughout camp. So I, I do think that he has a chance to be a decent player. I remember him. Bobby Richardson. That's one of the t- only times I I argued with you is that I said, Nick, I don't Barnes. like all these UDFAs making this <laughs> roster. It tells me their drafting is terrible. Um, and that's my theory. But you talk about the the guts of this roster, Nick, and you mentioned a guy a while ago, uh, TJ Carey, a corner 
uh, that they were that they were they were interested in. They wanted to talk to, and that sort of didn't materialize. They didn't sign anybody. Are they still very much interested in a veteran corner? But is that going to have to wait till after the draft if it occurs? Yeah, I would assume that there's probably one or two people that are kind of on hold. They'll go through the draft. If they get somebody, they get somebody. If they don't, you know, I think they probably turn their attention to that point. And then you look at whatever the cutoff date is this year where guys don't count against the comp pick formula. If they don't draft somebody, I would expect them to sign somebody probably the very next day after that, the same way they did with James Winston last year. Who that is, I, I don't know. But I would be shocked if if there aren't a couple contingencies in place. Um, Richard Sherman, you know, he, he does his own podcast. He's his own agent. He spoke recently about, you know, how, how teams straight up told him like, Hey, like we like you, we'd like you to be on our team, but only if we don't get a rookie corner. So I kind of feel like that's probably the case with a lot of these guys that are out there. Casey Hayward, TJ Carey, like they're all just kind of on pause draft to go through. And that's probably the best thing for these veteran guys too. like, you don't want to be Sherman or, or Hayward or, or whoever, and sign, and then all of a sudden you draft somebody and you're in a situation like it was with Alvin Kamara and Adrian Peterson where Sean Payton straight up said, hey, we signed Peterson before we knew who was going to be on our team. Like, these guys don't want to end up in a spot. Like, Richard Sherman doesn't want to be competing. with. He wants to go somewhere where he's going to play. So I think that's probably the best-case scenario for uh, both sides with with a lot of these veteran guys. You, but I, I think still though, there's probably a lot of options comp- just with the middle class getting squeezed out, and you know, a lot of these veterans not getting the money that they would normally get, and so they're forced to consider and entertain offers if they want to play this year. And I think, I think we may see some veterans that say, "Hey, you know what? I'm just, I'm not going to play for that, so I'll just sit out." And I'll, I'll come back next year when the cap's a little better. But I, I think there's a lot of guys that are entertaining these lower offers. So do you sense, Nick, that the Saints will maybe have more options after the draft than they normally would? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's still a handful of decent guys out there. Like typically, you know, I think some of these these corners, even for instance, would have signed by now. But obviously, if you're still out there at this point, there there's something wrong. Like there's a reason you're still available, but it's worth finding out, you know, if, if Hayward's dip was just, you know, a one-year thing or is, is he hit steep decline and isn't coming back. Um, but in the past, like a guy like that wouldn't, wouldn't be hanging around until after the draft, typically somebody would sign him. He'd get a decent contract and that's a gamble worth finding out. Same thing with Sherman, you know, he's out there for a reason, same reason. And someone like him would have been signed by now. So there is a good, there is a good area to, to shop in and, and to kind of plug your holes. Like, you know, I, I don't think Kenny Vaccaro even in a normal year, somebody would have signed him by now. He's still out there. So there's a lot of guys like that that I think can help your team um, in various ways that wouldn't be out there in a, in a typical year. So there's going to be a lot of one-year deals. And I do think that they'll be able to address a lot of these depth concerns that, you know, still still exist uh, with cheaper players. But until they do, it's, it's just uncomfortable to kind of see how things have kind of fallen out in, in that middle of the roster, especially for this team. But... I do think they'll be able to fix it after the draft. They'll go through your Craig Robertson's will start coming back at a certain point. And, you know, I, I think they'll be able to take care of all that. So yeah, for sure. Uh, it is advantageous for a team like them, you know, and the one thing that I do wonder though, is, is their recruiting going to be as easy as it was in the past? Like when you're a team that looks like it's a minute away from winning a, a Super Bowl, like these guys 
are much easier to sign. They want to come. It's easier to get them on a cheaper deal. You know, I still think the Saints are, are very attractive, but without Breeze and that, you know, just a little bit of uncertainty, like the sales pitch is just a little bit lesser than it was in other years. So it, it will be interesting to see if they can win, if there's like a recruiting war for, you know, a, a, a Sherman or a Hayward or someone like that. You know, you mentioned Marcus Davenport earlier, Marcus two first, as we like to call him. Uh, his fifth year option needs to be picked up. Do you think, I think it's kind of clear that they're not going to do it. Do you think that that's a done deal that they've, they've, that they've decided that they're, they aren't or they are, what do you think is going to happen there? Because that affects their defensive line depth going into 2022. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised either way. And it's crazy, you know, I'm done being fooled by him. Like every, <laughs> every year you look at him and you see like his pressure numbers and it's like, Oh, his pressure numbers are so good, but like the pressures never turn into anything. So what good are those pressures? You know, at a certain point, like you got to at least be hitting the quarterback. Like if you're getting all these pressures and you're never hitting the quarterback, like you aren't close enough to turn those pressures into the sacks, let alone hit. So there's, there's an issue there that, you know, I, he just needs to be a lot better and he has everything to be a very good player and to get the production and to do all these things. And we see it in glimpses. It just hasn't come together. And I don't know. I mean, it would be, it would be tough for a team to put two first round picks into a player and then not sign him to that fifth year option. But that isn't how they do things. Like this is a team that doesn't, you know, believe in the sunken cost. Like they'll cut bait and, and move on. So man, it's, it's a tough prediction. Like, but I would lean towards no, just as a guess. I won't be surprised if they do sign them, but it just kind of feels like, you know, it just hasn't worked the way it should have. The most saintsy thing ever would not pick up his option and he gets 15 and a half sacks. That would be the most saintsy <laughs> thing ever. That would be quite saintsy. Your outdoor experiences could be better, clearly better. Canon's sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. Using Japanese optics, Canon's lenses are clearer, lighter, and stronger than other lenses and are nearly impossible to scratch. With frames handcrafted in Italy, Canon's sunglasses elevate your experiences outside with a degree of clarity beyond your wildest imagination. Use the exclusive code KanonCast15 at Canon.com to receive 15% off your first pair. That's K A E N O N C A S T 15. Canon. Clearly better. Hi, this is Ralph Marlboro from the Saints Happy Hour Podcast. It's that time of year again. All eyes are on pro basketball and the start of the Major League Baseball season. Bet Online has all the betting action. In the NBA, the conference races are heating up as teams prepare to make their run for the playoffs. And if baseball is your first love, Bet Online has you covered. If you love hockey, golf, MMA, and championship boxing, Bet Online has it all. Every sport, Every game, every matchup. Bet Online has you covered for all the odds and real time updates and is the place for all your sports betting needs. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to place and check in on all your favorite sports bets all the time. Head over to the website or use your mobile device and bring home the game with Bet Online. Nick, everyone's talking about. Jameis versus Taysom, you know, that's, that's a big thing. And I think most educated saints fans are kind of 
either resigned or uh, conclusive in their opinion that Jameis is the guy. So Sean Payton has been steadfast that it's going to be an open competition and that Taysom Hill will get a fair shake. And yet I think we all see pretty clearly that something's really wrong with Jameis Winston if he can't win that battle. So there's also been talk of them potentially adding a quarterback. They've been linked to Sam Darnold before he went to Carolina and they've been linked with Kyle Trask and having interest in him in the draft. So do you see them adding another quarterback either through the draft or free agency before training camp? And do you buy into this open quarterback situation or do you think it's James's job? I think there probably will be a, a competition, but I do think that Jameis is, is probably ahead in it in a lot of minds. Um, I'd be surprised if it's, you know, those guys, if it isn't Jameis, if he, like you said, if he doesn't win that, then, you know, something went, went very sideways and there wasn't the growth over the last year. Um, as far as adding somebody else, do I, you know, I, I don't know if they will or won't, but I, I do know that they'll look at every possible option. And I do think that there's, you know, kind of some sitting back and waiting to see what happens with, you know, there's a lot of teams that are going to draft a quarterback. So that means someone's getting displaced. And I think they would be interested in seeing, you know, what's out there, what gets displaced. And if there's a situation that benefits them, but I mean, that door definitely is not closed to, you know, party number three coming in to, to join that competition. Um, you know, Jameis didn't get paid a whole lot of money. Like his, his salary's not, preventative from going out and doing something else he's kind of paid like a backup with a little bit of upside but you know i i don't think that they're you know it's it's locked in and they're they're you know this is Jameis's team no it's not at that point yet he he still has to prove it um look they were really high on Taysom until they saw him in a, in a game and then you know all the things that he didn't do well showed up like and there were a lot of things I had to find out in, in those game situations to know that he couldn't do those things. Like, you know, when you're on the move, like, and he can't make a throw without a very steady base, that's not something that you're really going to find out in practice because things aren't getting dirty like that. And plays are getting whistled dead before anyone can hit them. And, you know, when the picture's not perfect for him, he didn't perform very well. So I don't think you can be convinced on, on Jameis or anybody else. He might be making the right decisions in practice, but when that pressure's up and, and he's down 10 points in the fourth quarter with 10 minutes to go, does he start making those bad decisions again? So until they know those things, I, I think that, you know, it's kind of like just being like a, you know, a single guy, like you're looking around and you got to see what's out there and figure out all your options. And until you're married, you know, your eyes are going to wander. So I, I think that's kind of where they're at with, with quarterbacks. <laughs> what, an, what an analogy. That's great. <laughs> Ralph, I, I feel like we're hearing some Teddy Bridgewater foreshadowing. Here. I know. Are, you, are you hearing that music? I'm, I, I, I wish I had the, the, the Teddy Bridgewater, the dance clip. I would have played it, uh, but I don't have it up on the soundboard. But if I did, uh, it would definitely be played. That's what, that's what I, I thought. And here's the thing. I attacked people on Twitter. They were slandering Teddy Bridgewater about how his 5-0 and o was this and was that and I was like you people didn't enjoy fun in the moment we all loved Teddy Bridgewater going five no it was an amazing amazing fun time why do you have to denigrate it and crap all over the memory of it it was it was fantastic and they bring him back I I'm for it I actually have a Teddy Bridgewater jersey that I bought for like eight dollars so I can break it I can break (laughs) it back out if he's part of the competition look the thing about Teddy that that I would if they were able to bring him back at, at a at a good price. The thing that I would like about that is that you're at least setting a floor 
And, you know, I don't think he'd win a ton of games because of Teddy Bridgewater. He, he showed that last year and he's shown that throughout his career. He's, he's probably not going to, you know, give you the, the Brett Favre, you know, gunslinger stuff and lead you back from disarray or anything like that. But it does set a floor. Now, Jameis's ceiling is significantly higher. I even think Taysom's ceiling is higher than Teddy's if everything goes right with Taysom. But the floor on both those players is significantly lower than Teddy. So at least you're setting like a breaking point where it's like, okay, we can put this guy in there. He's not going to win us any games, but we probably aren't going to lose a lot of games because of him. And I think that would just, you know, having that barrier would be a good thing for this team. You know, Nick, I hate this offseason and I know why they did it because they had cap issues and Drew retired and they're not quite maybe thinking they're a Super Bowl team so we aren't in YOLO mode but the come down for me from the Saints are always making moves always doing things with free agency even though they have like a dollar cap space to this has been traumatic have you <laughs> enjoyed this offseason or do you miss the system corner days the double signing of Demario Davis and Patrick Robinson do you miss did you miss that excitement of it or were you like me oh, needing your sucks. This, this offseason completely sucks. No, like I, I, I like to have the stuff to, to cover, to look at, to think about, to talk about. Like we're kind of like doing June stories in the middle of like draft stories right now. Like it's just it's just not as fun. Like it, it's much more fun when they're making a lot of moves and, you know, there's at least a couple exciting things happening. This year has been, it's you know, it sucks. It, I wish there was more going on for sure. Well, I saw you tweet out that you were ready for the draft. Uh, and I think that's how we're all at that place oh God, because so for free agency has kind of been a dud. Uh, so, you know, if, if it could come tomorrow, I think we would all happily take it. Uh, and I know we're all tiring of just the, the incessant mock drafts and I'm guilty of it. And I have this disease, uh, Nick, where I take Racy McMath in the seventh round of every mock that I do. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but, uh, and, you know, you talked about Justin Hardy. Look, it's the perfect replacement. It's I'm, I am an LSU Homer, but it works. Uh, so Nick, I know you've kind of, you're honing in and, and for those of, for those of you who aren't subscribed to Nick's website yet, neworleans.football, you should check it out because I know he's about to release kind of with the marriage of the prototypes he knows about and the prospects that are out there and the needs that the saints have. He's about to marry. I'm sure you can describe this much better than I do, Nick, but I'm curious if you can at least give us a little taste and tell us what to expect out of this first round based on your research? Well, there's like 15 guys every year. And I'll explain this in an article I'm putting out maybe today, even um, if you take their, their height, weight and all the combine measurables, the pro day measurables, and you work it into a formula and you, you assign a score relative to their peer group. There's a certain athletic score for these players. There's a cutoff point. And again, I'll explain this better in, in writing it'll be easier to follow but that's a simple version of it there's about 10 to 15 of these guys every year that go in the first round every year since jeff ireland's been here he's gotten one of them so you can kind of use math and trends and draft history to narrow down the field to a specific group of players where look they might this will because i'm because i've figured this out it might just be you know but we got six years of data now so i don't think it's a fluke i think it's it's definitely something they like i know they're a team that places a lot of value on the combine they aren't you know oh this is underwear olympics you know everybody dismisses it the saints don't they put a lot of stock in it but 
every year there, there's only X amount of these guys and the Saints have gotten one. Last year there, there was only 10 of them and Cesar Ruiz actually fit the bill and he was one of those guys. So it seems like you can look at the draft trends, use the math and kind of triangulate it down to, you know, a specific group of players that fit within what they've done every year under Ireland. It kind of sounds like the guy that's a, I follow him on Twitter. I think he's called Math Bomb, and he does, he calls it the Raz score. And he basically scores the players with all these physical attributes and then rates them against the last 25 years of draft picks at their position. And it'll be like, JC Horn is in the top five percentile of the 800 and whatever corners drafted in the last however many years. And it's, it's an interesting point. Uh, Rick Leonard, oddly, like scored really, really high on that score. Just to ca- in case you were wondering, like, does it ever flop? It does. Oh, those, yeah, this stuff definitely. Like Stefan Anthony would have been really high score on it. <laughs> um, you know, th- there's definitely guys, but it seems like you know this is a team that values athletic traits. And I, I think if you draft, you know, obviously film has to be the number one thing. But I think if you draft good athletes and they have film that you you believe in, I think it's probably tough to make the kind of mistakes where, you know, that you're going to completely bomb out. Now, fourth round, Rick Leonard, you're drafting traits at that point in the draft. And obviously that didn't work out. Stefan Anthony didn't work out. They, they didn't know, you know, what he didn't know, um, which turned out to be a lot. But yeah, I mean, I, th- I think typically though, if you're getting good athletes with good film, it's going to be hard to miss. Like David Onyemata was, was a workout freak. Um, you know, that hit for him pretty well. Marcus Davenport was one of the most athletic people ever like that hasn't worked fully, but he's still a useful player. So I think that would kind of be, you know, if you're going to miss at least miss on a, on a good athlete that you can get something out of. Um, so that kind of seems to be their trend over the last five or six years. Well, I was really hoping the whole point of this podcast was to have Nick say at some point, the words underwear Olympics. So I'm really excited <laughs> that we were able to accomplish that. Nick, I'm still waiting for some names, man. So I'll, I'll throw this out there. You can react to this. I feel like my pipe dreams, which have zero chance of happening pretty much, are Greg Newsom, corner out of Northwestern, and Uusu Koromoa, the linebacker out of Notre Dame. I mean, if either of those were to drop to 28, which they won't, uh, I, I would be over the moon. Uh, is, there, is there any... I know that you view this from a different angle than we do, uh, but do you have a draft crush where you're just kind of thinking in your head, like, holy shit, if the saints could get their hands on this guy. Yeah. I, I'm not going to be able to pronounce his name. You just said it. The Notre Dame guy, like he's, he's like <laughs> Derwin James to me and Derwin James was like, he's my nightmare. The guy that, God, if they pick, cause he's going to be good and he's going to be at the saints for a decade. And I'm probably get his name right about 26, 2026. <laughs> But yeah, Derwin James was kind of my one of my favorite players like ever in in, in the draft. He kind of reminds me of him a little bit. So I like him a lot. I think that, you know, in this system, the way they they move guys around and they're imaginative and they aren't, you know, this isn't a team that forces guys to fit the scheme. Like they'll they'll alter the scheme to fit the guys. And that's what you need to have with a player like him to get the most out of them. So I, I like him a lot. Um if he was healthy, I, I would like, I would like Caleb Farley a lot at 28. I don't know if I'd be a fan of him at like 14 or 13 or 12, but at 28, I would be a big fan of, he might drop Nick. It's not that one's a, to me, that one is less, uh, impossible that he, Andrew 
keeps comparing him to Ramchick, Nick, because in 2017, me and a- me and Andrew would do mock drafts and mock drafts and do it for the. That's when we started doing the day, the 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 podcast for the patrons and stuff. And Ramchick, like every like fourth or fifth mock would fall, and I would scream. I'd be like, "This computer is broken." He's not going to be there at 32. Stop this. And, say, and then he was, and just Andrew's been mocking me for, for the last four years because of it. Yeah, I mean, look, there are some parallels there. It, it would just, I think it, with him, it's entirely on, on the medical evaluation. And if you're comfortable with it, I think that getting him at 28 would be, it'd be a bargain. And it's scary, though. Like a back injury is scary, especially on a, a corner guy that needs to be able to, you know, twist and turn very quickly. Um, so, We'll see. I think okay. Rob Gronkowski what? had a similar injury coming in uh, too. So, and that worked out for him. But he, one question position. about medical, and I saw, I think it was Andrew Brandt talked about this is certain teams for medical, you either pass and you are draftable and they grade you where they grade you, or you fail and you're off the board. But some teams do it in the middle. They're like, well, his medical's kind of crummy, so we'll leave him, but we'll bump him down. How do the Saints view the medical? Do they, do they factor in risk and they'll take him later, or it's either you're on the board or you're off the board? How do, how do the Saints do that? I can't say for sure, but I, I think they're a team that takes calculated risks with injuries uh, you know, all over with, mm-hmm. with free agents, draft, everything. You know, they, haven't, they weren't scared of ram check. Uh, Delvin bro had to sign a pretty gnarly, uh, medical release to be on the team. Uh, you know, there's a couple other guys that I don't, I don't think I'm at liberty to say, but there's a few other guys on the team that have, have medical waivers, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think they, they do it in a very, well, they try to do it in a calculated way. And I think that's probably gotten better over the last few years since they changed things out and Bo Lowry's leading that group now. And, you know, it seems like they, they've done a pretty good job where they have taken those risks. So I don't think there's someone that would, they, I don't think they have like a, like a hard and steadfast role where it's like pass or fail. I mm-hmm. think it's probably a case by case thing. And at a certain point, you probably feel like the risk is worth it for the potential upside. All right, Nick, tell the people how they can support you and keep you doing what you're doing. We support you and you. I can't. The pandemic's got to end, Nick, because I I want to get you at a at a bar at a dinner, and I just want to pepper you with ridiculous football and sneaker questions. But tell the people yeah. how they can support you. <laughs> it's funny. We, we had a, a crawfish boil plan like for when I first moved down here, like for all the, the elite members of the site. And then as I was driving down from the Northeast to move back, a pandemic broke out and I arrived here and was like, holy, like what is going on? I had no idea. So at some point that's going to end. It seems like we're getting closer. So hopefully we can't have that gathering. But yeah, I, my website's New Orleans Stop Football. Me and my wife run it. Uh, it's just us. No money backing. Betting on the the fan base, people showed up really well. Um, we're growing, and we want to keep growing and, and keep doing what we're doing. So, if you like, uh, you know, crazy draft prototype stories and stuff like that, I guess we're the site for you. No, Nick, I need I I need free I need I need free agent news. You are at your absolute best when the Saints were chasing Malcolm Butler, and you were you were knee deep in system corner post. That's when you're at your best. That's what I want out of you. Hey, hopefully they get moving here. We need, we need something like, I, I can't just take the silence like all the way through the draft. They're probably not going to make a move, but I need something over these next two weeks. to oh, hold you, and me, you and me both brother. Well, so, we, we have, we have crossover. We have significant crossover, but uh, you know, for those of you that 
don't follow Nick. I mean, he, and this isn't just hyperbole, you know, he's, uh, he's the best uh, when it comes to breaking news, analysis, all of it. If you're a Saints fan, uh, what are you waiting for? If you haven't done it already, That's definitely right. subscribe to his stuff. So appreciate it. So for Nick joining us, for Andrew, I'm Ralph. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you again tomorrow.